0: Hello, and welcome to the Global Luxury Real Estate Mastermind with me, your host, Michael Valdez. Today's guest, oh my God, I'm excited to sort of like cut through and learn about this man. Uh, Pat Kinzel is the CEO of Notarize. He is an incredible
1: entrepreneur. We're going to learn a lot about him. Pat, welcome to the show, my friend. Excited to be here, hopefully I can uh, can meet expectations for everybody, but um, I'm thrilled for the chance to connect. Thanks for having me on. I think you're gonna far exceed them. I don't
0: know, it's it's just my feeling, (laughs) but you are indeed a serial entrepreneur who has done incredibly successful operations, and you find solutions to consumer problems, really, really the definition of why you have been so successful. Can you take me through some of the highlights? Because I know there have been a lot. Some of the highlights in your career and what consumer need you were filling, you know, with, with Existory, for example. You were organizing somebody's social media history. With Drizzly, you were really the convenience of service
1: to a consumer. So tell me what you were going through with some of the highlights. Yeah, I'm not exactly sure where to begin. And also, I'm more focused on the lowlights than the highlights. Um, you know, a lot of those projects. <laughs> That's where the best lessons come in from, don't they? Yes, for sure, and and Drizzly had a great outcome, but a lot of those things I felt didn't fully achieve, you know, what they they could have. So, um, Existory was really a product that was trying to um, find value in all the content people were creating, right? And it was this notion that um, as we were all going around and having life experiences, what we're really doing as a group is creating a shared history, right? So, documenting things as we go, and if you could map that content you create a really you know, compelling experience, you'd create a new opportunity for, for search on the internet and that um, you'd give people a sense of meaning and, and belonging. Um, I, I started that company right out of school. I raised some money. I got a product built, um, ultimately didn't, didn't succeed. I had to shut that company down um, really for issues of execution on my part. And um, I got feedback from someone who I consider a mentor who said, you know, Pat, building software is actually really quite hard it's a skill, um, it's something you should learn. <laughs> um, and so that's when I went to Microsoft and really really, that's where I learned how to build, build software as a product manager at Microsoft. Very fortunate to go through their training and their programs, and also very fortunate to be in an innovation lab within Microsoft. So typically a Microsoft product manager in the course of your career, you'll start with a feature and then a feature area and a product area and your sort of scope of knowledge and influence grows in the lab that I was in, it was very much you know, sink or swim, you own this thing on your own. And um, the model they had, they called um, intrapreneurship. So the idea of internal entrepreneurship. And what you would do is you would pitch an idea and every idea would have to have a testable hypothesis and a statement of how you're gonna to try to solve that. So it was a, the idea was it launched new businesses within Microsoft um, and new, new products out of Microsoft. And so I launched um, several things when I was there under this sort of, here's a problem I see in the world. Here's how I want to solve it. I need an engineer. I need a data scientist. I need whatever, whatever it was. So that ultimately became Bing Social Search, um, which, you know, the next project I built um, uh, was definitely called Docs.com. And Docs.com was an online version of Office integrated with Facebook. And as like a 25, 26-year-old product manager at Microsoft, I got to go and negotiate a big deal with Facebook on my own. It was in Mark Zuckerberg's keynote uh, at F8. It was, a, it was a big partnership between the companies. And I then started another search business. And, you know, it's, it's just sort of been one thing to the next. Uh, so that's sort of the early, early chapter of my career.
0: That's incredibly impressive. But you know what? I want to say you brought it up. So give me one of the greatest lessons from one of the lowlights.
1: Well, a couple of things. I mean, I am um, when I after my first company that did not succeed, I um, um, was applying for a couple of different jobs and I ultimately got a job at Microsoft, but I didn't get the first one I applied for. And I'll never forget. Um, the person said to me, look, we um, we want to hire you. We think you're great. You got through the interview, blah, blah, blah. We're not going to hire you. I said, well, what? <laughs> um, and I, I didn't finish college. He said, look, you didn't finish college you started this company that you didn't get over the, the finish line. He's like, I hire finishers. You know, I hire people who, who take things to completion. I've been obsessed with that ever since. And this notion that um, you know, you've got to meet the commitments you make to your customers, to your partners, to investors, and you've got to find a safe, a safe landing for things. And that's where my, my company, when I left Microsoft, I started another business called Spindle I was a search business that I ended up selling to Twitter. And, um, you know, there was a lot of challenges along the way, but the credit I really get there is for, is for get finishing, getting over the finish line. So that's something I've become obsessed with. Um, I'd say the other thing that really is, that just grinds my gears is the thing I I built with Facebook. I mean, it was in Zuckerberg's keynote at their annual, you know, conference. Every Facebook user was gonna get an online version of Office, uh, cloud storage, we built it. It worked. People loved it. You don't have it, right? Uh, and so that ended up getting killed for politics um, inside of Microsoft, and that's why I chose to leave the company. But it, there was just so much potential in that product, and that's also why I, I've decided to to be an entrepreneur is because I, you know, I want more control over the, you know, the the outcomes of the effort, right? Um, not to have things just sure. killed arbitrarily. So. You know, that's a powerful
0: lesson to learn. I hire finishers, right? It's sort of like those things that just resonate and build who you are because it's it's what you're trying to sort of prove, right? And it's that trigger sense. So you just talked about entrepreneurship in such an incredibly like strong way. Tell me what you find to be the most liberating part of being an entrepreneur. And on the flip side, the scariest part of that.
1: Another Microsoft story. So when I started, I was very young and I was in this incubation group and I was very fortunate to work with a lot of really senior people. And so I had this idea I pitched, I got resources. Um, I didn't really know what I was doing as a product manager, right? Um, I was being mentored and um, I go to this meeting and I say, this is everything I know. And this is everything da -da -da da. And my mentor comes to me and he says, what the hell? You know, you shouldn't have done that you know, you should only tell engineers what they need to know this week, right? Uh, and then the engineering manager I was working with, who is you know, in his 50s and incredibly experienced, starts scheduling the meetings and he's helping me lead this project. And my mentor comes to me and he says, you never do that. You have to control the project. And I decided I I didn't like any of that. I didn't want anything to do with that. And as an entrepreneur, I think what I succeeded at at Microsoft and what I've succeeded now in the other projects is getting people excited about a mission and, and charging the hill, right? And saying, if we can do this, here's the opportunity that it creates and finding a way for that to resonate with people so that they themselves want to wake up in the morning and they want to go, you know, go charge the hill. Um, and that really works well with folks who are self-starters, self-motivated, you know, who, who join the cause and say, you know, I'm not getting a ton of direction from Pat on who to sell to, but if, if we do this, right, I'm going to figure it out. Um, and I get, a, I get so much energy from that. I love nothing more than that. And I love, you know, my, my co-founder says that, you know, I, I always find a path forward. Um, I just, I'm just endlessly optimistic. I think with software, you can build anything, right. Um, the only limitation is your ability to execute. Um, you know, and then physics sometimes, but, uh, (laughs) um, and I just think he put those things together. You know, I, um, and one of the things I say often is, you know, I work a lot and I, um, sometimes eat a lot of stress and people say, ask how I'm doing. I say, look, I know exactly what I signed up for, but like, I'm doing exactly what I want to do with my life. Um, and, I'm, you know, and I, I think that if you just take a step back in the United States to be an entrepreneur especially in software, there's, there's no personal risk. You get to use other people's money to try to go change the world for the chance of you know, having an amazing impact and ho- hopefully making some money, right? Uh, if you can't have a positive attitude toward that, I, I don't think you should be doing it, right? Um, and I, I try to remind myself all the time of the resources that have been entrusted to me, not just money, but of talent, right? The, the, the chance to direct people's efforts and to do something amazing. And I I, I think it's an incredible privilege that uh, gets me excited every day. I love that. When you start thinking
0: about it in such a big way, when you start thinking about an opportunity to change the world, these are incredibly powerful statements. It's not a lot of people that think that way. And when you actually have your team that you can motivate and sort of say, this is why we're doing it. This is how we'll change the world. That becomes that why, which is the collective why, which is that sort of talent of getting that message across, which is really amazing. So no wonder you've been so successful. So tell well, me we got about. a long way to go, but yeah, yeah. I know <laughs> we do. <laughs> You're just getting started. What's the greatest lesson you've learned up until this point? Really with all of the things that you've done thus far and you've really intimated on a lot of different things already. But what's the greatest lesson you
1: would consider? I'll give you two answers. Um, okay. One of my favorite quotes of business is Michael Bloomberg, and I, I'm not going to get it exactly right, but he said, um, the only thing that's in my control is my work ethic, and I will outwork you, right? Mm. Um, and I, I really just believe in effort. And I, um, I believe as a company, the reason why Notarize has been successful is we show up, we do the work. When we've been trying to change legislation, we show up and we show up and we show up and we show up, right? And we're, we're prepared. Um, and I just think you can't, you can't under undercount the value of, of doing the work. Um, the second thing I would say is, um, you know, my career advice to people is always just be someone people want to work with. Right. And I think, what does that mean? I think that could be because of skill and ability could be because of humility, you know, leadership, whatever it may be. But I think if you can just be someone people want to work with and ultimately, you know, for and to follow, I just think it takes care of, takes care of everything. And I, um, you know, I think it's interesting, the entrepreneurial community sometimes like lionizes people who are jerks, right? And I just don't (laughs) think that's that's how to be successful long-term. You still have to deal
0: with people every single day. You can't accomplish something singularly. It's done in a group. You know, it's the idea of how you motivate that group, what you were just saying earlier. So I agree with you. And the work ethic is always that trump card. Nobody sort of like, nobody succeeds without hard work. You know, there's luck that gets into it, sure, but the hard work is the hard work. So tell me about Notarize. Tell me about the, how you came up with the idea. I think it's actually an amazing uh, deliverable, again, filling a need for a consumer and a strong need.
1: So tell me about Notarize for those that may not know about it. Yeah, so Notarize is the first, you know, service to get documents notarized online. Um, but really what we do is we solve, you know, last mile use cases for industry. So because you can digitize the notarization, you can digitize the mortgage closing or, you know, a power of attorney or a medical authorization or an auto sale. So as a company, in addition to building the product, we've really, we spent a lot of money and time and effort um, changing regulation and really, you know, changing the market. And so we did the first ever online real estate closing, online will, online auto sale. I can kind of go on and on and on. Um, So we like to say we're a product and policy led company and we're a company of first you know people come to us when they can't digitize something right yep. um, And so we get to work with these great great companies maybe to answer the question a little differently. so Spindle, the company that I, I built and sold to Twitter, uh, I got some advice as that was ending, which I thought has really impacted my career and um, someone said to me they said look every company has this spectrum of risk every technology company, um, you know technology, um, feature, product, Business, right? So, can you build the thing? Does it work? Can you turn it into something people would use? Is that thing actually a product that's defensible? Will people pay for it, right? Whatnot. And and Spindle was was 100% technology risk. We believed we could build a better search engine. And by anyone who was paying attention at the time, they concluded that we did. We built this search engine. And then the challenge was can we turn it into something people would use? Right. And yeah. then is there a larger product and is there a way to monetize it? And I just that really resonated with me. And I thought to myself, you know, the next thing I want to do, I want to start at the other end of the spectrum. Right. I look at a company like Uber. Right. The ability to call a car was not a technology challenge. They, they started with business model and adoption risk. They said, how do we really quickly prove people will do this, that, you know, it's not profitable initially, but, you know, that they'll pay for it. And then they work back into a scalable platform and technology challenge. And so I was looking for an idea that was much more the latter, right? Will people notarize documents online? That's what I wanted to prove. And I wanted to prove it as fast as possible. So when I started the company, I funded it. And you know, I, I had the whole plan as fast as possible to get to the point of validating that and then working back into, into technology risk. And, and then the third thing I'd say is, um, you know, in my career, I've, Done a couple of things recently. So you mentioned earlier, I was the seed, Series A and Series B investor in Drizzly, an investor in a company called Lob out in California, and then Notarizing. So one is mail, one is alcohol, one is notarizations, right? <laughs> and so from the outside looking in, there's no, there's no, no, not, no similarity between them. But I actually see them as exactly the same in my head, which is really what it is. It's is can technology provide better access? To services to infrastructure, right? So if you think about it, you know, Lob connects people with local print and mail centers and totally changes the way customers companies can communicate with their customers. Drizzly was software that tapped into local retailers that leveraged inventory across the country for access to, and Notarize allows businesses to connect with a network of notaries to get transactions done online. And I think there's a lot of businesses like that that can follow that pattern.
0: You know what I love about Notarize is the idea that you can actually disrupt several sectors when somebody comes in with an idea, especially in technology, they're usually focused on a singular sector. Here, you're actually disrupting a lot of different sectors simultaneously, which I think is really interesting. And I think actually allows you for a much
1: greater level of success and adoption. Absolutely. So we have a consumer solution. Anyone can go online and in less than a few minutes, connect with a notary and get a document notarized. We have SMBs in every industry you could ever imagine from roofers to accountants, to bakers, to equipment leasers, to law firms. And then we have these vertical apps and auto and real estate and whatnot. I think what's interesting is for folks out there in real estate, you know, we have notaries online 24-7, 365 with an average response time of four seconds. That is four not- seconds. Yeah, four seconds. That is not possible if you only focus on real estate, right? That's only possible because we have these other this other volume on the platform. And then speaking to anyone who's a notary out there, if you're a notary, you know, really the professional opportunity is to serve real estate transactions. And we as a platform now connect you with, you know, banks to do powers of attorney, you know, the healthcare industry to do, you know, I can go on and on and on. And we're really shifting this volume from, you know, places where they're not you know, experienced or amateur notaries and giving them to professional notaries. And so what we hear and what our data shows, it's a win-win where business gets better service, notary gets access to more volume and more customers. And then the service levels, you know, 24-7, 365, less than four seconds. So
0: So when you're looking for, um, or looking into a sector like the notary, which is really, has a lot of legislation around it. You just mentioned that you're lobbying a lot of legislators um, as to how you're going to do this. How do you scale this globally? We say
1: globally or locally? Globally. Yeah, great, great question. So again, similar to Drizzly. So back in the day, Drizzly started market by market. And they were trying to do a lot of partnerships and a lot of distribution deals. And they, they kept hearing, you need to be national, you need to be national, you need to be national. And um, so what did that mean? Like, what was the definition? And, and ultimately what the company decided, it was the NFL cities. You know, if you're in the NFL cities from an advertising dollar perspective, you have enough, enough coverage. Notarize is harder though, because um, you know we truly have to be everywhere. So when we started the company, it was really only a service we could run out of Virginia, but we knew we needed, we needed to offer nationally. So we really, the first argument was to convince people that we could offer national across state line service. Right. And yeah. we succeeded, you know, we did simulated bankruptcy cases and all this case law research and whatnot. And we convinced the GSEs to accept and the title underwriters to underwrite. And so we were able to go national out of the gate from a, availability standpoint, right? So from a consumer expectation standpoint, we were, we were national. Now what we've been doing in passing legislation is allowing notaries onto the platform. So again, it started in just Virginia. Now we're about in 40 states for those notaries to connect. One of the challenges and one of the opportunities though for folks in our real estate, you may be local, right? You may be down in, in Florida or whatnot. Your um, consumer might choose a lender in Detroit or in Chicago Or in california right so you need a software platform that helps connect you with everybody right and that's ultimately where we are now in the real estate market is um, it's about aggregating you know not just customers but integrations into systems enabling more throughput on the platform and a lot of the benefit we're hearing now is um it's not just a consumer benefit for the closing it's 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 workflow streamlined workflow for the all these participants because we're integrated into their systems and is there global uh,
0: capabilities? I mean, you know, because you could be selling your your property in Jackson Hole, and your buyer could be in 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 Asia.
1: Yeah, we we have now served as of a couple months ago consumers on all seven continents, including Antarctica. Wow! Uh, so people have been everywhere with people in airplanes. Um, uh, the notary always have to be has to be in their state at the time sure. of the transaction, but the consumer can be can be anywhere. Um, Today we only serve, um, you know, U.S. nationals or people with a tax ID, and that's because of the identity standards. But, you know, we're, we're working to to offer international service as well. Exciting, exciting! What books are you reading now, Pat? Right now, nothing. Um, although I just yesterday ordered um, Scott Belsky's The Messy Middle because I am I'm squarely in the messy middle of company building. So I look forward to reading it.
0: I love that. So who has been the most influential person in your life?
1: I gotta ask, I hate this question. Um, you hate it? I'm glad I, I asked
0: it then.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, just cause I think it's un- unfair. Um, there's been a number of people that have really bet on me unjustifiably, repeatedly, they've just bet on me. Um, I think something that um, I've been good at in my career is, is creating advocates. Um, and I think the way to do that is to be really direct Right, I um, I constantly connect with people, and I tell them what I'm struggling with and how they can help me. And I find that if you're if you're honest and forthcoming, people will help. But um, you know, there's some people. You know, of course, my parents, my wife, my father-in-law. Uh, there's a gentleman at Polaris, Dave Barrett, who's bet on me time and time again. And I um, it goes back to the finishing concept, right? Like, if people are going to bet on you, you you just gotta. You gotta work your ass off and you gotta figure you gotta do everything you can to to, be, to get it, to deliver for them, frankly. Right.
0: I love that. So let me sort of flip it. Now you've become a mentor to many people. And so a lot of the listeners that are listening to this are either entrepreneurs or or aspiring to be. So what three pieces of advice would you give somebody on their road to success?
1: I mean, just get started right? Um, I think too many people are analyzing what to do. Um, I validated the concept for notarized with about $500. And wow. you know, what I did is I used unbounce.com. I bought uh, a horrible domain. I think getnotarynow.co intentionally bad. I stood up a landing page and I bought $500 of Google search traffic. And I put a button that if, if you clicked it, went nowhere. Because um, I wanted to see if people would you know, click it, frankly. Um, And then I did all this modeling. And um, so just get started, I would say, first and foremost. Um, I would say number two is, um, you know, acknowledge the fact that if you're passionate about something to do it, you're probably the only person who um, knows if it's going to be successful or not. I think people rely too much on third-party validation and investors and other folks. When I started Notarize, Every person on earth I talked to said I was an idiot. You know, like all of the standard things that you would do, um, meaning like, uh, how often does a consumer get a, a document notarized Not that often. Not enough repeat usage. Not a high enough price per transaction. Regulatory barriers. Incumbent legacy industries. Like, I can go down the path and everyone said, don't do this. Um, and I just, I was like, I'm, I'm just doing it. I am like, you know, and I think going back to the concept of finishing and doing what you said you're going to do. I think the reason why Notarize has been successful is people just come, have come to accept the fact that we're just doing it. Like we're going to figure out real estate transactions and then we figure out auto transactions. So now when we say we're entering a space and a category, people are like, okay, I guess, I guess they're going to do it. Right. So, um, and the third thing I would say is, is the literally the inverse, which is, it's okay to give up. Right, and I think if you, if you put those things in concert, a lot of, I think the worst thing for your career is to have a zombie company um, and, to, and to lose time. So I go back to what I learned at Microsoft around, if you want to start something, have a testable assumption and hypothesis, a theory of what change you want to see in the world and what will convince you that it's going to work, go as fast as possible at solving that. I think about notarizing phases of, of binary risk. It was, will people do this? Can I get it approved? Can I win large customers? Like, will they accept the regulatory regime? Like, can we actually sign committed, co- like just these phases, right? Um, sure. And if you just attack your idea and you're trying to solve those challenges, if, if they don't work, you should, you should give up and move on to the next one. Cause sometimes people linger for three, four five years. Um, and then you don't, you're not learning, right? You, you, you just gotta, you gotta get after it. And I, everyone I talk to myself included, I've, I've done some angel investing. I've got friends who've started companies and there's no, honestly nothing better than an email where someone says, I'm, you know what, I'm going to wind this thing down and I appreciate the support and here's what I learned. And I always send almost the same email to everyone, which is like, you will look back on this and this will be the best decision you ever made in your life. Um, and almost all those people, six months later, they pop up with something else and they do it differently. And they're, you know, so if you want to be an entrepreneur, you just got to get started and you just got to, just got to go. Love that. Love that. So my
0: final question for you. In your book of life, what's this chapter called? Eating glass. Wow.
1: You better explain <laughs> oh, yeah. that. One. <laughs> yeah, no, look, Notarize is a, um, I one time described it. I said, I feel like this company is a challenge in how long I'm willing to hold my hand to the flame. Okay. Um, and the answer is really long. <laughs> um, <laughs> You know, we're, we're a company that, you know, I, I raised $80 million um, without almost any revenue to go change policy. You know, we've, we've advocated for rules across the entire country. Um, you know, it, it's, it's a grind, you know, it's a, it's a highly regulated service. You know, it's not just we've had to break through all the regulatory barriers and customers. It's then we have to deliver the service. We have to do it with software like Margins. You know, blah, 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 right? Um, I'm going to finish it. So I. uh, (laughs) You're the finisher.
0: I got that. (laughs) Oh my gosh, Pat, you have been a delight. Thank you for all of your insight. It really was incredible to hear your story, your trajectory, but more importantly, the lessons and really sharing that and being that leader, not only in our industry, but with what you're doing and your playing a game of changing the world. And I really appreciate the conversation today. It's been really a pleasure.
1: Yeah, likewise. I really appreciate it. And everyone
0: out there, wish you the best of luck with whatever you're working on. Thank you so much. And thank you all of you for listening. It's been the Global Luxury Real Estate Mastermind with me, your host, Michael Valdez.